Hello, and uh, welcome to the delicious recipe here on uh, UPRN. This one's called uh, Pumpkin Spice Latte, and I have a returning guest who I love to have on here all the time there, Miss uh, Varla Ventura. And uh, you can check out some of the books that she's done there. There's uh, Among the Mermaids, Banshees, Werewolves, and Vampires, The Book of the Bazaar, Freaky Facts of and Strange Stories, Fairies, Pukas, and Changelings, Beyond Bizarre, Frightening Facts, She Rose, Bold Brash, and Absolutely Unabashed, and plus there's many more. And we've gone and we talked about many things around, and because it's Halloween month here on UPRN, and uh, we're doing things. I'm just so glad that this lovely guest is able to come back and grace my show once again. Welcome. Well, thanks, Del. Thanks for having me back. It's always nice to be back, and especially in um, the, around Halloween time, kind of made it a tradition. Oh, I, I forgot to go in. Uh, uh, watching the ones and twos is uh, Hey You, and then his new <laughs> friend there, uh, Kitten Mouth. Nice. So, uh, nice. Yeah. So uh, they're they're also uh, watching the back sensors uh, and uh, doing everything else. There, they're uh, watching the show. Oh, so. cool. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Laura Lee doesn't know I've called that uh, cat kitten mouth, but uh, that's what it's called now. So. She does now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about, this is Halloween time. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. Uh, the veil is supposed to be at the thinnest part going there, and uh, the time of... Uh, witches ghouls and gremlins and everything like that and you've done lots of uh well your books there anyways so dealing with this stuff the fairy realm and ghouls and pukas and stuff like that and this is also the the season of death right the end of mm -hmm. the harvest where everything dies now do you think that that's part of the reason why this strange phenomenon of people thinking that the dead is coming alive yeah, I mean, there's so I've been just contemplating, you know, death and darkness a little more than usual lately. Right. Um, and I think there's something about like darkness as a whole that sort of invokes this feeling of the unknown, the um, which is synonymous with death. And so like, we know that you know, in the tarot, for example, if you get the death card, that doesn't mean that you're going to die. It means that there's some kind of very significant change taking place because death marks um, a change and then a renewal, just mm -hmm. as um, this season marks that. And in particular, um, if you think about it in terms of like the weather changing and sort of harvest time, plants are sort of dying they're decomposing into the ground they'll be that way over the winter but through that process they're nurturing the soil for something that's going to come in the spring so it's all part of that um that cycle um mm -hmm. but it also has very the very practically it's actually darker right like right it's darker earlier mm -hmm. um of course we have you know the time change um here where I live, we have the time change, but it still doesn't help. It's still darker. <laughs> it's still darker earlier. Are they, did they do that there? Did they do uh, daylight savings there 
uh, or that yes. was uh, eliminated. I thought that was eliminated. No, nope. nope. there's been talk of eliminating it on and off over the years. Um, but here in the U.S., we still, with like the exception of a couple of places, we still observe the time change, which means that in the spring, the clocks all move forward an hour. And in the fall, they go back an hour. But I like it because I get an extra hour of darkness, which makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't complain about it one bit. But <laughs> even, even aside from that, I think that usually takes place here in early November. All of those things, just the fact that that sort of a more modern tradition takes place around the same time as so many other holidays, particularly in the Northern Hemisphere, where you have um, Samhain, which is the Celtic, um, you know, beginnings of Halloween. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Halloween as we celebrate it today. You have Dia de los Muertos, which is the celebration of the dead. And many other traditions um, around the, in particular, in the Northern Hemisphere this time of, of year. And all of these things kind of are connected to the idea that we are kind of like facing this darkness, this unknown. Um, we're entering into winter and mm -hmm. we need to do two things. One, we need to ask all of the spirits possible and available to um, look over us and guide us as we go into the darkness of winter, which can be a very, very trying time. It mm -hmm. uh, was a trying time once upon a time when you had to hunt all your food. And it's a trying time for other reasons today. You know, there's no, there's, um, you know, there's a direct connection with this time of year and um, mental illness, um, uh, rates of depression and suicide go up. So that's all mm -hmm. kind of tied in with um, the, uh, the tradition of sort of like, asking for kind of some help to get through the next <laughs> few months. Um, there's also a celebratory aspect in which you are celebrating. You're celebrating this grand harvest. You're celebrating um, what you have. And it's not one or the other. It's a, it's a combination. So traditionally, you know, um, Samhain as the Celtic holiday was exactly about that. It was about um, having bonfires and warding off evil spirits and then welcoming in the ones that would help um, and right. just kind of, you know, trying to get things um, situated before the, the darkness really comes and envelops us. I'm just going to clean my screen because I feel like my camera is a little bit dirty it, it was, there. It was <laughs> oh, also, that made a big difference. It was also <laughs> part of the thing about sharing the benefits of that, of uh, the work that you did during the, the whole summer spring summer and into there Absolutely. and sharing stuff and uh the part is that uh the the catholic church <laughs> had sort of appropriated it and made it sort of that it was an evil thing right because they're, they're money hungering uh uh an entity and yeah I, yeah uh, that, that's my opinion people out there it's my opinion too so you know <laughs> so shared opinion right so it was a part out there is that uh, like uh, there was a whole thing there where they got rid of the barter system and the whole thing about sharing and helping out your fellow neighbor and stuff like that and making you dependent upon uh, the government and the church. And that was the whole uh, thing. And that's why they sort of took these six uh, different uh, times. Significant uh, holidays in the Celtic will. Yeah. 
and they put them into into the church. Yeah, that, into that, the Roman calendar, absolutely. And and we know them today. We know them as as um, actually quite frequently. People know them more as the Roman holiday than they do the um, the original holiday. But you're absolutely right. There was a huge celebration of sharing, uh, you know, all of the the food and the feasts that you had worked so hard to um to everything you had accomplished you know we we're talking about a time in particular when like people really relied on crops and foraging and what was in the forest and what they were growing um, and your for neighbor food for medicine and you relied on your neighbor and it's interesting because um my son just happens to be studying this unit in school right now about um he's actually studying about the Ojibwe and one of the things mm-hmm. that the teacher was asking them is kind of about some of the founding principles of, um, you know, the Ojibwe belief system. And that includes something that he's referring to or the teacher is referring to as like, um, it, it's not it's not a commodity in the monetary sense, but it's sort of like personal um, contributions And we were just having this conversation um, because my son was like, well, you know, we just like if you learn, it's kind of about learning like shared skills and what is the good of learning skills? Why would why do you go and learn something? Mm -hmm. Um, And that led us to this discussion about um, that education, whether that's, you know, in the fields or in a classroom, Mm -hmm. really ultimately can and should be used to contribute back to the community. And that also led to the discussion of like, you know, really, this really all started really peaking, you know, when, when COVID came around people were just like hoarding toilet paper and crazy things like that. Right. You know, it was just like, Oh man. Yeah. So um, there was just like, we just kind of just led this to the discussion um, where I said, you know, I want you to live on a safe street, but that does, but I also want, you know, our neighbor girl across the street, Amelia, I want her to live on a safe, safe street too. And, and I don't, I don't want her to have a, any less of a safe experience than you. And so we right. just kind of started talking about that. Um, if I've got 10 of this and you've got 10 of that, let's each have five instead of holding on to our 10 and just kind of that whole discussion, mm-hmm. which I think also segues into another very significant holiday in the United States is the Thanksgiving holiday. And um, really there's been a much better recognition of that as an indigenous holiday and telling the true story of what happened, not like, yeah, "Yeah, Hey, you know, these like pilgrims opened their (laughs) gates and the, you know, (laughs) natives all came running in. It was like really quite the opposite. You know, the, the natives really, the indigenous people, we wouldn't be here ha- had they not saved the lives of those um, mm. colonists back in the day. Um, right. So anyway, it just that's another celebrate. But it's still another holiday that has been taken by the church and turned into something um, being this like, OK, this is God's grace that we have this harvest. But it's all tied into the same time of year. Right. So you mm-hmm. still have this this. um the celebration of the harvest and a lot of work, you know, there's a lot of work leading up to a holiday like that. So if you think about the weather, I'm sure you and I have very similar weather where we live. And if you go back into kind of where traditional Celtic, you know, um, 
population was, was, you know, the UK, Ireland, parts of France. I mean, it was like spread out more or less over the, those areas. Um, but this time of year, it does get start to get pretty cold, especially in the more northern regions. It can, you know, it could snow, you kind of get, you know, every, all the crops die. And so there's this huge rush leading up to that, not only to harvest everything, but to, you know, preserve things, to mm -hmm. um, cook them in a way that they're, you know, to, to have a place to store things, you know, mm -hmm. and then even, um, I mean, even today where it's like, okay, what are you going to do with all these tomatoes in your garden? And people end up canning them and things like that. And you kind of create this store to get you through the winter, but it wasn't just to get you Dell through the winter or me Varla through the winter. It was to get us through the winter, my yeah, household, you, your household, our whole community um, together. And you, um, yeah. You are, so you are absolutely correct because I remember this as growing up, there is that uh, my grandmother and both grandmothers on both sides, uh, they would have uh, the ladies would come over and they would do uh, pickling, canning, uh, uh, food, stuff there during like and it was a shared experience and everybody would take an equal share of something yeah, that they would yeah. have that right everybody yeah yeah it was, it, was, it was like a putting up they, they used to call it putting up and it would be like sometimes it would be over multiple days mm -hmm. and you would like okay i i'm i've got all of this i've got all of that i've got mm -hmm. herbs in my garden and, you know, I've got these preservatives and yes, and you would like spend all this time together cooking and canning, preserving the foods, and then the families would all have an equal share of them, which is and beautiful. I mean, that's so, so amazing. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this comes into this weird part because uh, this comes into the whole trick or treat thing. Ah, and, yeah. And uh, this was about the people that didn't have that luxury of having anything that were, weren't able to, to grab stuff. And uh, there's a couple different stories on this there. And then you have the whole thing about the witches and the poison apples, but that's different. But uh, the part about the kids was like, they would come across. That's a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> come by my house and find out. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole part was, is that uh, it, it because that actually comes into the Christmas time too, as well, that the same sort of thing there too, as well. But in the Halloween trick or treat was, is that it was, uh, we're less fortunate than you. You might have something a little bit extra to help us to get through the next couple little moments in our life. Mm -hmm. If you don't, then you get the trick, right? Ah, ah, yeah. The trick part. Okay. So, one of the one of the um, stories that I read, um, and I really like, like especially this time of year, if people are looking for like really good sources for these type of materials beyond mm -hmm. myself, of course. Um, I read the like if you go on like the Irish Times, like the main newspaper that's based in Dublin, they always have a, a, an excellent like. They'll have, they'll have shared, they'll have recipes, you know, like the traditional coal cannon and um, origins and haunted places and all that stuff. But one of the stories I actually read there a couple of years ago was about the tradition of trick-or-treating. So we were talking about this huge feast that we're going to have, right? And this huge bonfire. And um, one of the, uh, because I believe like modern traditions 
you can't pinpoint it to one thing. There are all of these things that kind of build into it. So, so one story isn't, you know, necessarily more accurate than the other. I think together they form what we have today. And so one of the stories that I read that I hadn't heard before was that you would go around, or the children would go around and they would go to the wealthier neighborhoods, of course, but they would go around and they would ask for either like a little bit of food or, um, or wood for the communal fire. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't considered uh, begging so much as the people who had the, you know, that the people who had and had these big houses and had successful, it, it was actually um, their responsibility to give more and to give forward so that you could. And in fact, it became this sort of display of um, how wealthy you were or how well off you were, the more you gave. It's like today, the, um, the modern equivalent is getting the whole candy bars in the rich neighborhoods. Oh, yeah, yes. Oh. <laughs> now it's like kids always talk about that. Oh, so yeah. I, I remember that back when I was, uh, oh, geez, I was uh, early 80s. So you'd always, uh, all the kids would be going around trick-or-treating and you'd, uh, they'd all start talking about uh, whose house has the best yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and then, who's giving out toothbrushes or whatever? Yeah, because avoid that one, avoid that one. That one has the big chocolate bars, and then you go home, change your costume, go back to that one again. Oh, now that's <laughs> some high trickery. I like that. Oh, I might have to share that with my uh, with my kiddo. You just pop a different mask on and hit the well, whole street I, again. I found out is that you don't take a bag; you take a pillowcase because the pillowcases uh, that uh, they don't rip as much as uh, a plastic yeah, bag. The bag, the bag will just like pop open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but I, you... think, I think that is totally like the, the sort of what, like, I don't want to say begging because it's not quite what the tradition was that, that yeah. has this negative connotation, but it was yeah. asking, it was the asking for, right. Yeah. Um, which then became, that was an excellent opportunity for the church to come in mm-hmm. and snatch the holiday away by saying that we're going to give you this food and, Oh, you can just, you should give to the church and then we'll distribute it for you. Right. You, the soup no need kitchen to trust the community a, organization. <laughs> right. The soup kitchen sort of uh, mentality there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That, Depend on us. We will take care of you, but still right. give us money. Sounded right? great in principle. Right. And that's why so yeah. many people fell for it. But we, we know for a fact that um, for a fact that that is the same um, church and same attitude that is responsible for, you know, taking children from their homes, indigenous <laughs> yes. children to, you know, yes. beating the culture out of them, you know, all these kind of things we know. So um, we have for a fact, right? So, I'm, just, I'm just remembering there, it says uh, Halloween, me and my buddy there, uh, JW, uh, we had ran out of, uh, out of Halloween treats. So uh, we had uh two uh, cartons of Durex condoms. So we started just giving out oh. condoms to uh, these, these kids were going around there. And I know we had, like, we had look a- at the balloons these guys gave us. <laughs> but you know what? It was probably something was better than they were getting there and putting a sweet thing in their mouth. They had something <laughs> that would stop having more kids or something. But yeah, this, it was this, better this than a toothbrush. Repercussions. No trick here. <laughs> better than a toothbrush. <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. 
the parents are like, we'll take those. We'll take those, Timmy. <laughs> you don't when, need that. We'll keep when those. did you get that from? Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you get that from? <laughs> Whose mom gave you that? Um, but another aspect of the, of the trickery, just talking about the trickery and this yep. totally plays into, you know, the spooks and the goblins and the, and the fairy element of it yep. is that as we go into the darkness, um, those creatures which prefer to be veiled from the human eye most of the time, i.e. creatures, supernatural creatures, creatures of the other realm, the fairy realm, yeah. they are a little more comfortable sneaking out at night. And mm -hmm. um, fairies are known for their trickery. I mean, many, many, many stories uh, have their root in basically fairies one-upping humans so right. um so you have that element of it along with the idea that if the fairies and things are moving freely about the um uh you know the night children the, the would then dress side, up yeah, yeah throughout yeah. the countryside just like reveling children would dress up as a means of fitting in so they wouldn't be snatched away by them Correct. And then, of course, as the as the church became more influential, it was that there were witches over on the hills dancing with, you know, um, pagan dogs right. and gods and werewolves and Their devils. Sexuality and, is. Yeah. So oh, my gosh. Life. They're having they're naked over by the bonfire. And yeah. to be fair, they might have been naked by the bonfire, but not right. because they were cavorting with the devil, but rather they were cavorting with the spirits uh, and uh, on the whole to, to get yeah. power, but that was power that, that would then be used and utilized, um, not always for good by the definition of good, but mm -hmm. it wasn't an inherently evil act, which is why, you know, today we, we know that this is a holiday that's sacred to witches, um, mm -hmm. and is often viewed as the witches new year in the, in the Celtic wheel of the year, it's the new year. Right. This is when things begin. And then when it you Oh, please because, go ahead. Cause, yeah, because November 1st is uh, what is uh, that's exactly November 1st is supposed to be the start of the new year, right? It's a saint. Right. Day. Yes. Well, it <laughs> depends on who you ask. Right. So in the um, I actually really love in particular in Mexico, the there's sort of a blending of the Catholic traditions and then other um, mm -hmm. indigenous traditions that took place that also yeah. have kind of they they also have similarities and a lot of um, uh, connection with things that the Celts celebrated at, at Halloween. And that was really the, the thin veil. And then you had the um, Dia de los Muertos, which is really significant holiday in um, most of, in Mexico and in many other um, Latin countries, they also celebrate it. But in, in Mexico in particular, and of course in the, in the United States and Canada, that's also a huge holiday for um, people of Mexican descent that live in the U.S. or Canada. And they're like, I'm always trying, I'm always trying to make sure I include Canada because I don't want to be <laughs> that like, you know, um, American-centric, U.S.-centric American where who says America and then all everyone else in North America is like, what the hell, you guys? We're also in North America. Check your geography. Um, but anyway, the, and, the and, we're, and we're bigger. We have we're bigger than you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because bigger isn't always better, right? Um, so... uh, well, yeah, uh, no, no, well, uh, 
I'll tell you some women that would say yes. Well, no. <laughs> but, well, we know what house they can go trick or treat at, though. So you there know. you go. <laughs> uh, but I think that just tying back to, you know, the food, the tr food traditions, the, um, you know, the idea in of creating this altar that uh, um, might even be just directly on the grave of your loved one, bringing their favorite food, spending weeks, not just a night, but spending weeks preparing recipes and um, creating the food of the dead, creating these incredible pieces of art that are all for art, for, for the invisible, for the dead. Mm -hmm. They're not for um, some kind of long-term preservation. You know, these things get dismantled and the flowers get composted. And, um, but there's, you know, there's even um, pa pan de morto, which is a bread, a special bread that's baked and it has like a sugary top. And right. super yummy. And you mm -hmm. get that and it's in all different kinds of shapes and you make the sugar skulls and all of these things that are in offering. And in that tradition, um, the first November 1st is um, so I guess by the Catholic Church, I think the first is all. So the 31st is All Hallows Eve. The first is All Souls Day. And then the second is All Saints Day. And in mm -hmm. um the tradition of Dia de los Muertos, you have the first is the um, day when you leave offerings to lost souls and the souls of children. Um, right. So people who maybe don't have someone tending their grave or young kids. And then the second is for like your nearer family. Right. And um, but it's a. Uh, uh, that connection and the idea that the dead are walking among us that night, that is mm. what is um, resonates as so similar to the Celtic traditions is that, you're, you know, you're burning fires, you're making food and you're, you know, you're cavorting with the spirits, hoping that they'll help you get through uh, mm. the rest of the, the rest of the cold winter. And um, right. it can actually be a very cathartic experience for anyone who, has lost someone, whether it's very recently in the last year, or if it's, you know, someone that you've been missing for the majority of your life to create a, even a small altar in your home and mm -hmm. give them an offering. And, you know, it doesn't, you can include a photo of the person or a, an object of the person. Um, it can be a very humble thing. You know, it doesn't have to be a big elaborate um, uh, altar or creation, but it, it's the intention that, um, and in particular on, on the night, such as, you know, on, um, Halloween night is a great time to burn a candle and just like really, you know, thank them for what they've given and make a connection with them. Maybe ask them for guidance. Um, you know, just do a little light necromancy. We're not talking about anything like too All deep. Right. <laughs> if you want to get into like the deep, the deep stuff, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot more to that. And there's certainly like a lot more preparation, but mm -hmm. um, making a simple offering and, and um, you know, a, just talking to someone who you miss is, um, can be very cathartic. And I think we spend a lot of time suppressing grief right? That's like where yeah. you're supposed to grieve for this certain uh, amount of time. Um, and many, many religious traditions do have a very set amount of time. And then you sort of move on. But I mean, anyone who's who's experienced grief, and I would wager um, uh, uh, to say that that's most people, 
at this point in their lives, you know, have you know, most people have experienced grief in some way. It could even be the loss of a pet can be, but yep. we, we're, it's like, we're expected to just, you know, you grieve, you go to the, you go to the funeral, you say goodbye and then move on. And it really doesn't work like that at all. It just comes in waves and it comes at times. And I think that that's because we try and tuck it into a neat little, um, package, package and it just doesn't work like that but if you have a time where you know every year you're going to actually be able to like let that out it mm -hmm. can I, I think that can be a very very healthy um for your psyche well that's the same thing as it goes like with music and then I, I play a lot of music and i play a lot of instruments and stuff like that is that you can go and all of a sudden one day you hear the start of a song and stuff like that and all of a sudden it transports you back to something a memory right yeah. and that sort of unlocks something in your brain right yeah. and and it's travel I, 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 there you go you unlock the secret to time travel del that's amazing <laughs> yeah no I, I, I've, I've noticed that many times there's stuff like that is i just uh yeah that unlocking stuff and i understand like the, the whole part is I were saying out there, people that are listening along here, this is Barla Ventura uh, here on the show, here on the Delicious Recipe. And we're talking Halloween stuff. Uh, we, we can get into the witchy stuff if you want to, about witches and bad apples, too. And... <laughs> but, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, trick-or-treating treats and stuff like that, where did it come the whole part that uh, witches were bad. Did you ever find out how that went? There? Well, I mean, we can blanket make the blanket statement that it was the Catholics. <laughs> right. But I think the idea, I mean, there there was a um a wild power associated with um women and they were frequently the keepers of medicine and mm -hmm. um plant wisdom. Uh, they right. had knowledge about, you know, the ways of the world and love and relationships and childbirth and all of these things that were um, not, I mean, that, that were a mystery to men in many ways, right? So, right. well, they had, they had men were out there, they'd be in the protectors, the hunters, the gatherers, and doing stuff like that. And they'd be off in there. And then you had basically, the women, the wise ones, sometimes they were called like that, that were yeah. Yeah. taking care of the prodigy and basically cleaning the house, I guess, in, in a way, or taking yeah, care of... Yeah, in a matter of, of speaking, like t tending the hearth and making sure that, um, you know, things were healthy. And, and that's that's just sort of speaking very broadly. Of course, right. we... we yeah want to acknowledge that, you know, there were people who were two-spirit and they had a role in society, um, not necessarily conforming to one or the other. There were people who were maybe not born um, uh, with male anatomy that identified better with female. I mean, of course, I'll acknowledge that. But in like the broad sense, mm -hmm. as far as which is becoming bad, I mean, it really, there, there was a, an, I mean, the as soon as the as soon as the story of Adam and Eve came around, women yeah. were immediately associated. Speaking of poison apples, women right. were immediately associated with the devil, being weak-willed, mm -hmm. and it wasn't 
that's not and a, necessarily and trick, the original story, right? That's like the King James version. Right. And, <laughs> yeah, and a trickster, right? Too. That was that was the whole part there is that and trick. tricked Adam, yes. And then yeah. now they had to leave. They had to leave uh, Eden, and it was all her fault. Right. So yes. you had that origin story, which was basically the thumping basis of you know. Um, uh, the Roman Catholic religion as the yep. cultures were beginning to collide. But you also had women traditionally all, and, and uh, certainly all over the world and in Europe, um, in all of the countries in, in um, sort of Europe and North America, you had um, women in roles of, of power because they were the keepers of medicine and secrets and frequently then then in kind of the medieval times you started having like the heavier doctrine of the church there was actually a very long period of time you know a couple of hundred years where the pagans and the catholics kind of mixed together in a, mm -hmm. in a where you know no people were born of different generations and they knew both both belief systems and um, they sort of coexisted without the um, the e extremes um, for a while there. But really, mm -hmm. as far as like witches becoming like the witch craze, I mean, that was really brought on by um, the the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, having this doctrine that women were bad and evil. Uh, and then discovering that there were women with power and the church saying, well, we're going to take that power. And the only way to take that power is to take those women, take their land, take their knowledge, call them a witch and um, and then let everybody join in on that bandwagon. And the yeah. thing was, is like so many things today, right? Like people joined that craze to avoid being accused themselves. And mm -hmm. so that's why then when you fast forward to like the Salem witch trials, you had young Puritan. I mean, there's these really uptight Puritans, but you had young girls accusing other young girls. Well, I mean, any girl who's ever gone to high school can tell you what the <laughs> locker room is <laughs> during physical education. Well, and you immediately I, I like, understand how the Salem witch trials took place. You know? I like that boy. I like him more than you. Yeah. You're yeah. I mean, just and bored <laughs> and afraid living in um, a lot yeah. of fear of what was wild and unknown. Right. Um, <clears throat> a lot of fear. And so those things led to the accusation of women being witches and keeping secrets rather than keeping secrets, it became a negative thing. Right. Um, and then it was, you know, the, it was also conveniently frequently tied in with women who had power and land and mm -hmm. um, some, some fortune themselves. And so, so that so became... So how does how does the warlock thing come in there where the male witches or do they call them like that where they didn't get vilified as much as the female? Oh, there were I believe like in Salem I can't remember quite how many, but there were a handful of men that were also hung. Um, right. There were always men that were accused of of um, witchcraft. witchcraft. Yeah. Okay. Um, and as far as like warlock versus witch, I kind of feel like, um, anyone could be, could, may identify as a witch and, and right. do, and do, um, most 
women don't identify as warlocks necessarily. Um, that does tend to be kind of more of a, a male term for someone who practices mm -hmm. witchcraft. But um, yeah, men were definitely, they just, men flew under the radar. Um, okay. You know, and, and they, they weren't really the ones withholding these so-called secrets. Um, right. They weren't really the ones to blame. And so frequently you would even have husbands turning on wives to, uh, to, uh, to keep in the good graces of whatever constable so-and-so, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> constable blowhard right. here at your service. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think that certainly there were men who didn't fit in with the con the regular confines of society were certainly, um, vilified and right. still are today, but by and large, they were, um, I, you know, they just weren't considered as vulnerable or as weak. And therefore they couldn't just be, uh, like, you know, pulled off their land. Men had rights, you know, women couldn't vote. They, oh, they, that's true. they yeah. had to marry, um, yeah. you know, there were all of these things. Men, men had inherent rights, you know, it was the, the King himself who declared these things as mm -hmm. long as you paid back a little, to the church and to the, and to the crown, you know, you, yeah. you'd be okay. Um, but women had none of those things. They had to marry strategically. They had to, you know, um, do See? what was told, what they were told to do. And whenever mm -hmm. they, whenever any woman that ever defied that, which was historically many, many women <laughs> were accused of being, Witches, um, werewolves, vampires, cavorting yeah. with spirits, um, yeah. you know, whoring around all of those things just yeah. for not doing, not being the meek, um, the meek, uh, apologetic creature that, um, you know, is supposed to say sorry that we, that, uh, you know, we gave you that apple. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <cool. laughs> the poison apple. Look, you're the idiot who ate it, okay? <laughs> I remember, I remember, I think it was on that movie uh, or television show, uh, uh, Supernatural, and they said it wasn't an apple, it was a quince. Because, oh, a quince. Uh, yes, because uh, apples didn't exist over there in that part of the world. But uh, Ooh, we've. Uh, yeah, also something interesting about apples is that um, apples, and I don't think this is true of quince, I think quince grow and they just grow. Um, you know, on the tree, they look a little like an like a lumpy apple, yeah. but um, apples and most pears require grafting. If you go and plant an apple seed from the middle of your favorite apple, you're not going to get your favorite apple. You're just no. going to get like some kind of stock apple that's yeah. probably not that tasty. And yeah. you have to graft from an existing tree if you want like a pink lady or a Macintosh or whatever yeah. kind of apple you're, you're going for. So um, even if it was an apple, it wasn't a tasty one. Yeah. Same thing with avocados. So avocados, you have to graft from the one that you finally find that you get one that's tasty because you cannot plant an avocado seed. Oh, I, try, yeah. I tried. And, uh, you don't and you'll get... get a plant, but you won't necessarily get, and it might fruit. It's... Yeah, but, but you, you won't, won't get necessarily get anything get, that tastes good <laughs> yeah you won't get the thing that you're like you're, you're hoping yeah. for which is not the case with a lot of other um plants and and seeds you know like if you've got a crop of like the greatest corn if yeah. you save seeds from the best looking corn or the finest looking pumpkin or something like that then you've got like you know you've got your greatest uh 
uh, you do that natural selection thing. Yeah. Oh, we're getting a whole bunch of things. They're going to find if I can block this person. They're sexy girls. I guess <laughs> Come on, we need we need comments from actual listeners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's probably because you said condom or something yeah, on the I air. Mean, like some prob- bot is like, ooh, they're talking about sex. <laughs> Witches, let's get to it. Witches and condoms. <laughs> no one's safe. <laughs> Witchy condoms. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate. I know people are listening; they can't see this, but check out this cool uh mug that i'm drinking out of it's actually got but if you look to the side i know laura would love this if you look to the side the skull's kind of the skeleton skull's kind of like embedded in there yeah it's pretty cool that's awesome she's been she made a couple of different things there uh she made me a a a cup there too uh a little a little while ago it's uh done she lacquered it all up it's got like van halen on one side the other side is pickle (laughs) rick and and uh (laughs) With nice. my name on there, Aww. yeah, <laughs> That's great. my 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 coffee mug. But yeah, she's uh, been busy with her craft. She's out uh, craft shopping right now. So nice. uh, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah, does she well, have like an Etsy shop yet? Uh, nope. Uh, she really like she really <laughs> could and should. I mean, you know. Yes. Well, let's get to the part there is that we have so much stuff here that uh, there's only a few more chairs to walk or sit on. <laughs> you got to start selling it off, Dell. That way you got room for more. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. So are you selling this stuff? Come on. <laughs> but anyways, that's another thing. Well, she could probably do that for Halloween. Oh, but, she, uh, I, I've know. seen the things she makes. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. She sent me a few oh, yeah, little her, videos, like, too. Oh, yeah, like little Ouija boards. Yeah, and, the, uh, like, um, yeah. crystal grid. The, those... Yeah. yeah, those are amazing. Really amazing. Yeah, she spends a lot of time on it, and uh, no, it's uh, really, really awesome stuff there. Yeah. And uh, she does have a, a place there you can check out on the Angel Rock and contact her there, people that are listening, and uh, see if she can go and make something for you. But uh, other than that, they said, where are we going to go from here there? witchy werewolf you know i was kind of thinking about well it's interesting because i was like thinking about like just in the in the contemplation of darkness and some of the key like i was thinking about like really classic costumes like classic halloween Mm -hmm. costumes and they kind of come down to like you got witch mummy werewolf skeleton and vampire and of course vampires love this time of year but i was really thinking about that sort of it kind of ties in again with the element of darkness that is so um prevalent at this at this time of year in everyone's minds in the physical world around you you also have you know an abundance of bats right bats uh, are like they come out at at night they come out at twilight and then it's not it's kind of you kind of see how some of these um visual things became part of the origins of these like legends of of bats transforming into vampires yeah and and then there's well there, there's there's blood so that yeah. actually ties in with women being persecuted as well for um, most women blood is not particularly scary you know right, 20, once you're of, of age 
you see yeah. it all the time. So yeah. when you see it, it doesn't like freak you out quite as much as if you've never seen blood before. And mm. I think you had people in very like specific roles, especially yeah. like in the Victorian era when like um, Dracula was born from mm -hmm. Bram Stoker's imagination. And of course it was not, that's not the first vampire story ever. But um, that was a time of a lot of medical experimentation. Ooh, it yeah. was a time, which means it was a time of grave robbing. And it was a time of um, not fully understanding, um, you know, the, the decomposition process. I remember that um, mm. reading this story about the origin of, you know, when you see vampires... Um, like the classic Dracula, or even Nosferatu, where the arms are crossed across the chest, right. and that that's yep. synonymous with like a vampire rising out of the coffin, and that mm -hmm. at this time when there was great medical experimentation, and this was taking place, um, there were there were two cities actually in the UK that were very um, known for their advancements in in medicine, and um, that was in Dublin and in. Edinburgh, Scotland, and Bram Stoker, who is Irish, um, yeah. had like these stories. I mean, you know, he was an educated man. The, the, the stories, the rumors of grave robbing and that this grave robbing wasn't, we think of grave robbing like, oh yeah, you just really want the ring, right? But yeah. actually people were taking especially fresh, freshly dead <laughs> corpses um, for the purpose of, um, you know, experimentation. Uh, yeah, learning about what actually was inside yeah. the human body and med medical experimentation, not not um, to in order to advance our understanding of the human body. And mm -hmm. when when rigor mortis sets in, now if you lay someone in their coffin and after you know you have their wake and all of that, but you lay them lay them in their coffin. And people were laid out in crypts a lot, not necessarily, yeah. and, you know, not always just buried in the ground, but you'd get the coffin out, whatever way you do it. And the body would actually spring forward out of the, out of the coffin a bit. And the yeah. arms would be crossed because that's how they'd be laid to rest. And so, of course, imagine you're just some like very like uneducated pauper who's been paid yeah. you know a few bob to go and like you know get this fresh um go, you go, know. go grab this thing there yeah and go, go grab old man jackson or whatever and then you go into the cemetery and this thing rests and then you're just gonna run screaming and then of yeah. course to cover your tracks you're gonna either you're either gonna say it was a vampire or you're gonna believe it was a vampire mm. and so these kind of stories were actually you know very kind of see what we're, we're gonna I'll make all of those um, spam bots that spammed your chat regret uh, getting <laughs> getting involved here because now we're getting into necromancy. So actually, um, there was there there was there was a documentary <laughs> I watched on on this uh, lady, and uh, she's somewhere in the states, I think, in uh, South Carolina or something like that. And uh, she is the head of uh, uh, of a forensics thing, and she takes bodies mm -hmm. and she puts them out onto her farm. And she covers them over with a, like a, a chain mill or not chain mill, like fencing. And she sees how what bugs come and eat it to go and do that. And right. she takes the bugs. And that's how she figures out how long a body has been done. Has been, and she gets paid. Yeah. For it's, yes, it's a, it's a division of for forensics, right? It's right. criminal yeah. forensics. Yeah. And there are actually body farms. 
Yeah. And the first time I ever heard about, like, I guess maybe I knew they existed if I thought about it logically, but like, I never thought about it. And I was yeah. listening to this um, podcast called Criminal. Yep. Which is, a, I love it. And um, she, the host, Phoebe Judge, went out to a body farm. And she's a very poised, composed mm -hmm. interviewer. And you could hear in her voice, oh, oh, you know, because in that, at that particular one, it was like one for the study of um, criminal forensics. And so they would put bodies in positions like um if they had been in a car accident yeah or if um you know they'd just been left out or if you know something had been decapitated or something like that and right. so they're um, looking and for they timelines follow. yeah they're looking for timelines which is um apps and you can that's actually you know you can you can donate your body to a body farm when you go if you're really into it Right. But, so that's, um, that's that's why you have to worry about uh, signing what you sign on your license there. <laughs> what you sign away. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we got I'll about one, one, one minute <laughs> left there, Varla. And I'm so I wish this could go on for another hour there, Varla. Uh, tell them where they can go and find your books and find everything else there. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Del, for having me. It's always such a pleasure and it does go by fast. Um, you can visit my website, which is varlaventura.net. So that's a couple of V's in there, varlaventura.net. And I've got links to my books and, um, you know, occasionally other things on there. I've got a little store so you can buy some, some random, um, swag, Varla Ventura swag and stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm there and I keep up moderately um on facebook not too great on the social media these days but you know i'm around so if you ping me i may eventually get back to you as del knows yes <laughs> I, no, uh, but yeah I'm, net. that's where you can find out more i'm just so happy that i got you back on again there i so appreciate it. you're actually my first interview since um i had you know i had um spinal fusion surgery about a month ago. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I had about a month of like, well, I was just not in any shape to um, be seen or talk, um, which is what led to the surgery, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah, so you're my you're my first, it's really hard for me to get through October without talking to you guys and, and just, you know, having interviews in general, but you're my first back. And, and so thanks. <laughs> I, I you made it easy. I appreciate it, and I always love you. And I, you're you're one of my favorite guests that I ever have on there. And I just want to say you've been watching the delicious recipe. Next week, I got on uh, Rachel Dodds, and we're dealing with uh, hidden evil messages in music. So, ooh, that's a great one. Yes. Yeah, so that's we'll fun. be going through that. So. Thank you all for uh, listening there. Uh, tune in for uh, the next show there on uh, UPRN. I think it's uh, Michael with Red Pill News. And we'll talk to you all next week. All right. Bye. Thank you.